Welcome to Season 5 of the Excel Still More Podcast. I'm still your host, Chris Emerson, and I'm here to encourage you in your walk with the Lord, and I'm glad you've joined. The program continues to be sponsored by Cunningham Financial Group. John is a good friend, and he's helped me and my family in everything from stock and mutual fund investing to annuities, life insurance, and retirement planning. I certainly commend him to you if you have needs in any of those areas. You can reach him at 205 205- Three two six seven three six four. Thank you again for your ongoing encouragement and support. Let's get started. Welcome today, and thanks for listening in. I know I say pretty much every week that I'm really excited to share something with you, but today it almost feels like it's on another level, mainly because it's just super fresh. Like I watched a little video this morning that a friend sent to me, and it started me down this track of several others. And then I started looking at these two Bible characters in the book of Genesis and the way their stories compare. And I think I've just hit this point of giddiness. Part of it is just getting to learn something new and anticipation for how I will use it. And another part of it is knowing 100% for sure that this will become a sermon soon. But in this exact moment, it's you getting to share this with you. So just like last week, I need to start by giving a little bit of credit. Remember, my daughter Hannah sent me a TED Talk on humble, hungry, and smart, and it turned out to be practically life-changing. If you have not either heard last week's episode or gone to the show notes and watched the TED Talk, please be sure and do that. I think you're probably like me, or you wouldn't be listening to this program, but I love learning new things and trying new things. And especially when they come about unexpectedly like the text she sent me last week or the Facebook message that I got this week. Tim and Michelle Stevens are great friends. We've known them for a handful of years. And she reached out to me this week via Messenger. And when I saw that, I thought I knew what it was going to be about. They are massive Rangers fans. In fact, the first time Tim and I ever met, we joined a mutual friend in Arlington for a Rangers-Astros game. He was dressed head to toe in blue. I was decked out in orange, and by the grace of God, we became buddies. Anyway, long story long, the Rangers beat the Astros in Game 7 of the ALCS just a few days ago, and I was pretty sure she was reaching out to gloat. Fortunately, I was wrong about that. She sent me a short clip by an author and public speaker named Myron Golden. It was less than a minute long. I will read the transcript for you in just a moment. But for me, it opened up this huge rabbit hole. I started watching several of his videos. He introduces scripture and God and Christ into much of what he's doing. And while the short video that I will read for you is addressing one character in the book of Genesis, I found a lesson he did that addressed a different character and took the same topic and inverted it in this really cool way. And I just think you're going to love the connection. So just backing up for a moment on a big picture thematic level, there are simple concepts that he focuses on that I want you to focus on this week. Predominantly, it is the difference between abundance and lack. In some ways, at the center of today's episode is a simple call for you to count your many blessings. The Bible talks about how we have a life of abundance. The blessings of God in our lives are abundant for the most part, and on most days, they're actually really easy to see like all around us in wonderful ways. But sometimes all we can see is the lack. All we're able to focus on is what is missing, what is needed to complete the picture. And as our first Bible story will prove, the devil loves that. 
He wants to blind you to nine great things and just focus on the one that you don't have. So Myron talks a lot about understanding the abundance that God has put in your life, the resources that you can use to accomplish things. He talks about how often people complain that they don't have those resources. In my life, I don't have the tools that I need. I don't have the blessings in place. He said, oftentimes, it's not about a lack of resource, it's about a lack of resourcefulness. In other words, it's there, you just need to open your eyes. Which, by the way, was going to be the title of today's episode, Open Your Eyes, but I happened to do a quick search and noticed that I used that title back in 2019. So instead, Opened Her Eyes will be a quote that you'll see in Genesis in just a bit. But that's kind of the preliminary call today is open your eyes, or as you'll see, let God open your eyes to see the resources, the blessings, the good things. And maybe if our sights are set on them and our gratitude level is high, we won't be searching for what is missing, which in many people's lives is missing because you don't need it. And God knows that, and he needs you to understand it also. But then again, on this same theme of abundance versus lack and resources and hope, there are other times in our lives where we are surrounded by a lot of darkness, where you can say, look, Chris, I do have an abundantly blessed life, but right now I am surrounded by lots of trouble. It seems to me there is more lack and sorrow and struggle than abundance. And I'm not going to counter that with some trite statement that goes, no, actually, life is awesome all the time. Look at the stars in the sky. The truth is, sometimes it's not. But those are the times when you need to look past the lack and find the abundance. Find the provision. Find God's way to help you. If you will open your eyes, you will see it. And so I can already tell I'm letting the cat out of the bag on what excites me about these two stories. These are sometimes the mistakes that we make. We're surrounded by tons of great things And all we can think about is the one thing that's missing. And we'll walk past all of those blessings to get to it. And then in a kind of inverted way, sometimes you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death and there is a lot of seeming lack around you. And you're so focused on that that you're unwilling to put in the effort to find the abundance, the blessing, the provision. It may seem small in comparison to the darkness, but that light is potent when you reach for it. In the end, of course, it's the same problem. Neglecting the God of abundance and the way he provides it and catering to the God of lack, lowercase g, and the methods he uses to draw your attention. All right, so two stories in Genesis will illustrate all of this, so let me begin by reading the short clip that was sent to me. The first temptation in the history of the world was the temptation to focus on lack and disregard abundance. He says, I did not put this in the Bible. It was there when I woke up this morning. That was the very first temptation in the history of the world. Focus on lack. The Bible says the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was placed in the middle of the garden. God doesn't waste words. Humans do that. The fact that it was in the middle of the garden is significant to the story. Why? What does it tell us? It tells us that Adam and Eve had to walk past all of their abundance to get to the thing that they lacked. They're like, nope. I don't want any pecans. Nope, don't want any pears. I don't want any apples. I don't want any oranges. I don't want any tangerines. If I can just get to the thing that's missing, why does Satan want us to focus on lack? Because he is the God of lack, lowercase g. 
Now, let me say, that was a clip in a longer presentation, and I could not find the rest of that presentation. So I started digging into some of his other things and figured out where he was going with it from other sources. But I think probably from that short 45-second clip, you may have enough information to dwell on God and what is good and what the devil's trying to do in your life all week long. If you are a child of God, you have been lavished with his grace, filled with his promises and his spirit, and blessed like few others have ever been in the history of the world. If you live in the United States or in many other countries of prosperity, you have blessings available to you, resources, opportunities, possibilities abounding all over your life. But have you noticed what your Google searches are? Therefore, the thing that you don't have, the thing that you want, the thing that you lack, at least very often mine is. And I get it, we can have more things if we want, and to be clear, in the case of the garden, they were told not to eat of that tree. They were explicitly told that it would lead to death. And of course, this was placed there by God. This was their testing. Can you see that all that I give is good? Can you be content with my provisions for you? Or, as we referenced a couple of weeks ago, will one small no line, a little no circle, right in the middle of this garden be too much for you? And for them, it was. Satan was the lowercase g god of lack, telling them that what they don't have is the most important thing, and if they had it, they'd have it all. And of course, not only is that untrue, but reaching out for the thing that they lacked ended up costing them everything that they had. And so, like I say, when I ask about the things that you want to buy or do, I understand that that's different than forbidden fruit. But that's why we did two no-line episodes a few weeks ago. The first episode was about amoral things, things that you don't own or you don't have or you have not achieved. And are there reasons why you can tell yourself, I'm not going to pursue that for some greater measure of what God is doing in my life? And then we followed it with an episode on moral lines, sinful things, and how God says, I've given you everything you need for joy and I am restricting you from some things. And the devil in his means and ways is trying to tell you that that thing you lack That's the biggest secret to life, and you need it. But I want you to see again this week the similarity in both of those things. God gifts you great things, things that can be cultivated if they're focused on, things like your family and your friendships and your faith and whatever measure of finances you have been given. Like in a garden, you can cultivate those and fertilize those and bear fruit from those and plant more and have a beautiful abundance connected directly with God's will. Or it can just be trees around the thing in the middle, the thing that you don't have, the thing that maybe God is saying you don't need, the thing that maybe God is saying don't get. And like David on that rooftop looking at a woman in a bath, you forget every single good thing for the one thing you lack. Well, on the topic of eyes opened, the devil said, God knows that if you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God. And so they decided to eat of it. But verse 7 of Genesis 3 says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and in their shame they covered themselves. Look, I need to get quickly to the second story and connect them. So I'm not going to walk you through a bunch of practical ways to do this, but please spend some time counting the blessings that you absolutely know are from God and add to that the blessings that God has allowed you to have in your life. And once that has triggered gratitude and prayer, 
and you have considered the amount of attention those things need and how many resources you already have in your life if you will maximize them, then go ahead and think of things in the middle of the garden, the thing that the devil says you need, the thing that you lack, and ask yourself a couple of questions. Do I need this for some fulfillment in my life? And maybe the deeper question, why do I think that I need this? And why has the missing piece drawn more attention than all of the pieces that are already in place? Now, hold that thought a minute and let me move you forward to Genesis 21. Do you remember the story where Abram was promised that he would have descendants? His name meant father, but he had no kids. And after the promise, like a decade or two passes and Sarah has this idea that maybe they should go ahead and have the kid by the handmaid, Hagar. Well, then Ishmael is born and after a while, God fulfills his promise on his timeline and Sarah has Isaac. And after a series of years, Sarah sees Ishmael mocking and she tells Abram, they've got to go. So Abraham connects with God on that and God says, yes, send them out and I will take care of them. And I'm guessing, or at least hoping, that he passed on that message to Hagar, that God would be with them. So the text says in 21.14 that Abraham woke up early in the morning, he took bread and a skin of water, and he gave them to Hagar, and he gave her the boy, and he sent her away. The text says they departed into the wilderness of Beersheba. So please don't miss the inverted scenarios of this story. In the case of Adam and Eve, they're in a beautiful perfect garden with rivers of water flowing through it. And here in our second story, Hagar and her young son Ishmael are in a wilderness with one can of water. The next verse says, when the water in the skin was used up, she left the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him about a bow shot away, for she said, do not let me see the boy die. And she sat opposite him and lifted up her voice and wept. Now, this is a very different story, isn't it? And maybe this one is one you connect with better. She's in a dark and difficult place. Her son is going to die of dehydration and she can't bear to watch. It is interesting in the next verse that it says God heard the lad crying and an angel of the Lord called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what is the matter with you, Hagar? Do not fear for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. And then the next two verses say this. Arise, lift up the lad, and hold him by the hand, for I will make a great nation of him. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water, and she went and filled the skin with water and gave the lad a drink. So in this story, she sees no blessings. To her, it's all over. There's no hope, and she's crying in agony. And the Lord doesn't answer her saying, I see that, and I'm sorry. He answers her with, what is the matter with you? And of course, if she had been given a minute to answer, she would have a lot to say. She would say, what do you mean? Have you not seen my story? I've lost everything. We're going to die here. And I love how beautifully and powerfully the Lord stated his promise to her to care for her son, and then he opened her eyes to see the well of water. I don't think that well appeared out of nowhere. I don't think it was a miraculous well. That well may have been there for a hundred years or a thousand years. In the middle of all of her turmoil was a blessing, exactly what she needed to live. But as she was so focused on what she lacked, she didn't see it. I don't know what it means that God opened her eyes, but in some way, he helped her see what was there all along. And she went to it and drew from it and found the energy to carry on. 
And by the way, if you're not familiar with the story, she did fine. Ishmael did great. He ended up having a bunch of sons that ruled over a bunch of areas. And God's promises, as they always do, came through for the one who believed in him. So I don't know, maybe this is you. You might say, Chris, this is just a really tough time to be telling me to count my blessings. I'm not in the garden. I get the garden stuff. I need to look at all these wonderful things and figure out why I'm focused on what I don't have. The devil will use that to lie to me, to take my focus in the wrong direction, and maybe to get me to chase past what is good for what is evil. But you may send me an email this week and say, Chris, that is not me right now. My family is broken. My life is in great turmoil. I know I'm supposed to see the good, but I don't see it, and I don't know that it's there. Listen to me carefully. It is there. I promise you that well of water to give you what you need because that's what God does for his people. And hey, I don't want to downplay what you're facing. And if you've been crying out in agony for what you're going through, I don't want to act like that's not a big deal. I know that it is. But it just might be that if God spoke to you, he would say, what is the matter with you? And you'd be like, what do you mean what's the matter with me? Look at my life. And he would probably say, all right, let's do that. Here are 99 things that I'm doing for you right now to keep you alive. He definitely would talk to you about the promises that transcend every earthly boundary in Jesus. And I believe in ways that go beyond explanation, he can open your eyes to the well of water. Remember that resource line I gave you earlier from Myron's material He says, people lament that they don't have the resources. What they don't have is the resourcefulness. It's not that they don't have what they need. It's that they're not seeing it. In some cases, they may just not be willing to walk over to it. And those are my challenges for you this week. Both stories are dealing with the same thing. Too much focus on the wrong things. The God of abundance wants you to see his provisions. When life is going well, he wants you to be overwhelmed by the goodness of those provisions and not distracted by little things that you think will complete them. And in the time of testing and trouble and the cycles of life that seem like winter compared to spring, he asks you to believe that there will always be a source of goodness available to you in Jesus' name. On the other hand, the God, lowercase g, of lack, the devil, wants your mind on anything else, anything amoral things that aren't necessarily sinful, but you just don't have them, and you'll need to take attention away from something to get them, or immoral things that God said you don't need and that are bad for you, and he's trying to get you to see that you do. Of course, that's the sad irony of selling the pursuit of what you lack. Even once you receive it, it just goes into the bucket of things that you have, and you're on to the next thing that you lack. His work thrives on emptiness, on what is missing, on a hole in the middle. And maybe if we understand that, we will refuse the inclinations to follow his path because there's nothing at the end of it. That's kind of the point. So let's do this this week. Regardless of situation, great or not great, let's open our eyes. Both texts talked about opened eyes. In the second one, Hagar's eyes were opened by the Lord and she found life and hope in the midst of trouble. In the first story, the devil effectively opened their eyes to shame once he got them to search for what they didn't need. Don't do that this week. Count your many blessings, the things that you have. Name them one by one. 
And if you want to pursue something else and it's not ungodly, there's room for that. But may it never be that God's provisions are inadequate for you. Because when he blesses us, we lack nothing. Sure, that's sometimes hard to see. I totally get that. But pray today that God will work in your life like he did with Hagar when he opened her eyes. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you enjoyed this program, will you share it with someone you care about? One thing I've learned over these five seasons is that there's nothing as powerful in advertising as word of mouth sharing between friends. Speaking of friends, let me once again commend you to give John Cunningham a call. He and his team have a wide variety of tools to help you use your present budget and life to build towards a more secure and hopeful financial future. Once again, you can reach him at 205-326-7364. And always remember, whatever you choose to do today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, excel still more.